Uh, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4 today and have the privilege and honor of reading God's word for us this morning. So if you wouldn't mind opening up your Bible and standing for the reading of God's word. Again, standing for the word of God doesn't make us float or do anything crazy. Uh, it is just to honor uh, God and his word. Jonah chapter 4 says this. But it pleased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. Or displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor. Nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, CJ, for reading God's Word. We want to welcome you to Life Point today. If you're here, uh, we are finishing up the book of Jonah, as you can see. We're in chapter 4, and that's all the chapters. And so uh, CJ just read uh, chapter 4. Thank you for being here. Please let us know you're here. If you are a guest, we want to know that. Only way we can know that is if you let us know, and the way you do that, you got two ways of doing that. We like to give options. One is if you're in the room in the house, you can fill out a card for us and put it in those boxes you see as you exit sit uh, the the auditorium. Uh, You can bring it to us uh, or you can, the second way, if you're watching from anywhere, this applies to people in the house and watching from anywhere, you can text the word connect to the number that pops up on the screen. It's 1-615-551-9800. Text the word connect. That'll let us know you're here. We'll send you something. Start a little dialogue with you to get some information. We're not gonna uh, sell your information. We're not going to stalk you, all that kind of stuff. We just wanna know you're here. Uh, We wanna help you become family. If you're looking for a church, you found it, we hope. Uh, So let us know you're here. And please continue uh, to give, to tithe, uh, so that the gospel can go out uh, to cities like Nineveh that you just read about, cities that are far from God, Uh, cities that are what we call unreached peoples because there's no gospel there, as well as all around this city, uh, which is becoming more and more and more like every city in the United States of America, more and more and more secular and more and more and more uh, further and further and further away from God. 
so that we can take the gospel so that your kids can grow up in a place that's gospel saturated. So uh, please continue to tithe and give to the Lord uh, through his church. And how do you do that? Well, you can do it in multiple ways. You can, you can give, uh, they're popped up on the screen. You have a, a QR code there. Uh, this is, especially if you're watching online, good to zoom in on. Uh, it'll take you right to the webpage. Uh, if you're in a room, you can do that too. If you're following read, or you can text, there's the number. You can give in the app. Make sure it's the right LifePoint Church app. Uh, you can give in the app. We've got an app. Please download that app because we got all kind of information on there for you so that we don't have to, uh, you know, tell you uh, everything. We got so much going on with children, with men, with women, with youth, with uh, preschoolers, uh, so many more activities. We couldn't possibly tell you everything up here. That's how you can know our app, our website, go there. You can also give in the boxes, mail it in, bring it in. Please continue to be faithful to the Lord. Honor him uh, so that the gospel can go out, okay? Thank you again for being here. Uh, Glad Richie and Dana Fike, uh, they are... Uh, uh, friends of Travis for, for many, many years. And uh, Richie has been a worship leader, been in the worship business writing. Matter of fact, thank you, Richie, wherever you are for bringing We Believe. Travis, you know, I tell Travis all the time, man, I know you wrote that song, but I, 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 can we sing it more? I love that song. Well, Richie's one of the co-writers with Travis on that song. And so, Richie, thank you for bringing it back. Uh, I love that song. And so they've been friends for a long time. Richie's just started a church in Colorado. It's called Vanguard uh, Tri-Lakes there in Colorado. And so, uh, man, pray for that. Uh, we want to see good churches planted all over America. And so you pray for Richie and Dana as they uh, start, uh, as they have started, and they're a year or so in now with Vanguard Church, you, you pray for them. You know, many people, uh, you, you continually ask how I'm doing, and I appreciate that. I want to just give you, you know, a, a couple of words, uh, you know, a little update, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I've told you, I went from my mama to Amy. You know, I, I, we got married young. So my mom took care of me, did everything for me, right or wrong, good or bad. That's what she did, right? Some people would say, man, you're supposed to train your kids up and doing everything for you. It's not a way to train them. I understand that. But she did everything for me. And so I was uh, blessed in that way, if you want to look at it. I'm, I got married Amy Young. Amy did everything for me, right? And so I, I don't know how to do anything. Uh, but yesterday, you know what I did? Yesterday, I got up and I made pancakes for me and my kids. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the girls, the, I, I, I know you're thinking, well, that's huge progress for me, okay? <laughs> the girls said, Daddy, Mama would be so proud of you. And I said, yeah, baby, she would, wouldn't she? And uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm making progress. If you had asked me day of, week of, month of, I thought my life was at a dead end, right? Uh, I didn't know there was a road that I could be on. But now, as I look back, it's 15 weeks today, three and a half months, uh, basically, you know, I know that I've made progress. Uh, that's just through your prayers and support. Thank you. You know, I was reading in our daily Bible reading. I hope you're doing our daily Bible reading, going through the Bible in a year. And uh, in Genesis 41, I think it's in 41, 51, 52, Joseph, after all Joseph had been through, Joseph, not Joseph, uh, you know, Jesus' adoptive father, but Joseph in Genesis. Uh, uh, Joseph, uh, uh, after all he had been through, sold into slavery, uh, put in prison, all the suffering that he had been through, uh, he was raised to be the second in command of all of Egypt. And all of his suffering, you know, was leading him to that place. And as I was reading that, it was just, it was beautiful that the Lord uh, began to speak to me about suffering. And, uh, and you know, this is not the end of the story, Pat. There, there's more there. This is not the end of the story. Uh, I'm still in charge, and this is not the end of the story. And, I, and God began to give me a sense of peace. And then in Genesis 41 and 51, something popped off the page. And Joseph, after he became the second in command, God 
uh, put him in second command of Egypt. Pharaoh gave him a wife and was customary in the day. Pharaoh gave him a wife. He had two sons. He named them Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh means uh, to forget. Ephraim means to be fruitful. And he said, Joseph said, I named my first son Manasseh uh, because God has caused me to forget my suffering. He named his second son Ephraim because God had made him fruitful in his suffering. Now, I don't believe that when he says God caused him to forget his suffering, that uh, he couldn't, had no memory of it. I believe that it meant that it didn't hold him back any longer, right? And now he was able to thrive in life. Uh, I believe that he was fruitful in his suffering. I mean, God had sanctified, God had done some stuff. And that's my prayer, that God helps me not to forget, I'll never forget, but that, that I'll break free and that God will be fruitful in my suffering. So Manasseh and Ephraim is heavy on my mind. So just wanted to give you that little update. God is, is great, God is good, God is awesome, God is merciful and God is gracious. And so, uh, uh, kids, the pancakes were pretty good, weren't they? Uh, uh, why are you shaking your head no? They, I thought they were really good. Anyway, uh, just an update, sorry, that's free. Uh, just wanted to let you know how you can pray. Uh, next week, we start, we, we end a series today. Next week, we start a series that, man, it's been the greatest series for me personally, I'm talking about, that I've ever studied to prepare because it's about Ruth. We're going through the book of Ruth. Short, another short book like Jonah. But man, that's another thing in my healing process. Uh, didn't, didn't plan it that way, but God has used that book to give me so much hope from where I am and that he is not done yet. And so I hope you come back as we dive into the book of Ruth next week. And so, you know, we're gonna end Jonah today and we're gonna end by, by looking at a story about a guy by the name of, uh, I mean, get this name. It's, it's, it's Nicholas von Zin, uh, Zinzendorf. What about that? You'd like to have that name, wouldn't you? Uh, he's, he's known as Count Zinzendorf because he was a count, you know, like Dracula. He was a count. And, uh, but Nicholas von Zinzendorf, he was born, as you can tell by the name, in Germany in the early 1700s. And he was born to a very wealthy family, a family of nobility. And, uh, but he was also born to a family who had a grandmother who was a devout believer. She loved Jesus. And as a result of that, uh, guess what? Count Zinzendorf loved Jesus. Now, it was expected of Count Zinzendorf that he enter into politics because he was a count that he would enter into diplomacy, politics, uh, and where he would there receive a life of luxury, a life of, uh, you know, a, a plenty, uh, a, a life of comfort. But God had put other plans and other dreams and other aspirations, actually a call upon his heart. And so rather than enter into the world of politics and, and diplomacy and nobility and all that kind of stuff. He took his family wealth that he had and he bought a farm, a family farm, a family estate in the mountains of East Germany. Now, why did he do that? Uh, well, he didn't do it just because he wanted to, to farm and you know, raise horses or raise whatever you know, he could raise. He, he did it because, so that he could build a haven for Christians, Protestant Christians. Because you see, it was during that time that the Roman Catholic Church was persecuting, killing Protestant Christians. And so he wanted to build a haven for Christians who were being persecuted uh, from the, the Roman Catholic Church to come and stay in this haven and, and they could thrive and they could be safe. And that's exactly what he did. He built this and it was called Herrenhut or uh, actually the Lord's Watch. 
And just a couple of years after he built this haven, bought and built this haven, there were 300 Protestant Christians that lived in this, uh, this haven. And, and what happened here created a wake that just blew way past the borders of Germany. They started in 1727, this group of 300 Christians, they started a prayer vigil, a prayer watch. And this prayer watch was a 24-7 deal. They would have people praying 24-7. Uh, and, and it lasted not just a day. It didn't just last a week. It lasted for 100 years. And amazing things happened. Matter of fact, uh, 60 years or 65 years into this uh, prayer vigil, they commissioned and sent 300 missionaries to unreached people groups in Greenland, in Turkey, in uh, North America, the West Indies, they started one of the very first major mission movements around the world. And you can imagine how many people, how many people were saved and how many people come into uh, the kingdom of God because of this prayer movement, because these missionaries were sent through this prayer movement, through these 300 committed Christians, because a man was relentlessly committed to the mission of God. Now, why did I tell you this story? I told you this story because each week we've tried to highlight or talk about a missionary. Uh, I told you this story because I want you to get a vision of what God can do in the life or lives of people who are relentlessly committed to the mission of God, right? Because you see, there's another small group. We're not uh, 300, uh, there's three to 5,000 right here in Middle Tennessee uh, called Life Point Church. And that's just in Middle Tennessee. And we've got, you know, campuses in Brussels and Belgium, and, and I'm sorry, in Brussels and in Bangkok. And uh, I want you to begin to think about what God might do with our story. You know, uh, a few hundred years from now, if people would look back and say, you know, there was that group of Christians in a world, in a part of the world that had once been very Christianized, that, that Christendom was, you know, in, in a part of that country that used to be the Bible Belt. Right, that is no longer the Bible Belt. There's no really such thing that exists. There might be some vestiges in your grandmother, but there's really no, no Bible Belt anymore as we are uh, on a rapid decline into secularism. You know, I, I read some, uh, some articles recently that talked about in Western Europe, you know, most of the theologians that I read as I study the, uh, for sermons and, and personal edification and all, they're Western European theologians, right? I mean, people like Calvin and people like, uh, you know, Spurgeon and they're Western Europeans and because Christianity thrived there, it was the, it was the center of Christianity at one point, the epicenter, and now there are very few Christians there. That's why we planted a campus there. Because Christianity went on a slow decline into secularism, and now there are very few Christians. And America, as we know, follows Europe, right, in so many ways. And so America, after the, the, the 2000s began, and we hadn't really started that deep slide into secularism, people thought, oh, we're safe, we're not gonna do that. But after 9-11, and then after, uh, in 2015 specifically, when uh, same-sex marriage was passing all 50 states, we began that slide, and here's what we're told today is that as Europe was sliding like this into secularism, America started and it's doing this. It is a deep nosedive at a breakneck pace where kids and our teenagers they're, 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 they're across the country statistically are not involved in church or they don't know the Lord and it's crazy scary what's going to be in 10 years if things don't change. 
It's crazy scary where our world's going to be, where your grandkids are going to grow up. The world your grandkids are going to grow up in is going to be, we are not in a Christian, uh, we're in a post-Christian society, but where your kids and where your grandkids are going to grow up in is scary, and I have grandkids. And so, wonder what might be written of us today, and I'm wondering how what God could do with us could change the trajectory of this part of the country at least and maybe cause a wake that would break past uh, Middle Tennessee, past America to the world. How many missionaries might we see saved and sent? How, how many unreached peoples uh, might come to know the Lord? How, how many marriages might be saved and how many of your grandkids might be saved? Uh, and for that to happen, it's going to require more than just you know, cultural Christianity. It's gonna require more than just a casual commitment uh, to Jesus that causes you to go to church when it's convenient, uh, that causes you to give, uh, uh, you know, tips to the Lord. Uh, it's gonna require more that causes you to read the Bible a couple of times a year and come at Christmas and Easter. It's gonna require more than that out of the church. As a matter of fact, the things that we've seen take place in, in the world has purified the church in so many ways. COVID came through and most churches have never recovered from COVID. You know, most churches' attendance in COVID, uh, it's never recovered and, uh, and uh, praise the Lord, we're well on our way there and, and I'm grateful for that, but it purified the church because when storms come through, things like COVID, things like all of the tensions that's been in our world and everything, the political tensions, everything come out, it, it has purified the church in so many ways because you see what happens. Man, we all hate storms and I know we're in storm, we're heading into storm tornado season here and in Nashville, Middle Tennessee, we know a lot about those. And every year where, you know, when you hear that, you're like awake at night. Amy used to get up at night when there was tornado stuff and she'd grab our kids and get in a closet in the middle of our house, under our stairs. And man, I'd say, y'all go ahead, yell at me if it, something happens, I'm sleeping, right? And she'd like, you're, you're an idiot, Pat. Come on, get in here. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, when the storms come through, we hate them, but you know what they do? They're bad, they, they cause some destruction, but you know what also they do? Man, they cause some life. Because they knock out dead branches of the trees and it allows the trees to give nourishment to the branches that are thriving, right? I think that's what's happened in the church in so many ways. I mean, man, we've had some storms come through and the church is purified, which can give us more power because a church with apathetic, uh, culturally-minded Christians has no power, right? It has no power because the world looks at that and doesn't see anything that gives them power. And so, man, what's going to happen through and what God is going, what story is God going to write through you? It all depends on our commitment, our commitment. As we see here, as we close out the book of Jonah, will we be re relentlessly committed to the mission of God? Or are we going to be apathetic? Are we going to be lackadaisical uh, and convenient Christians? That's the question. And as we close out, I want to just look at two points, right? Two things real quick that I want to point out. One is Jonah's distraction. Let's look at chapter four. Chapter four, verses one through four. C.J. read it. I'm not gonna read the whole chapter today, but let me, let me hone in on here. It says one through four, but it displeased Jonah. It displeased Jonah. Look at that word. It displeased him. Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is this not what I, now if you could get his tone, and when you read the scripture, you don't get his tone, but he's, he's, ha he's angry. He's angry at the Lord, you know, over this. I mean, he's talking and, you know, he's talking like he's angry probably. Lord, is this not what I told you would happen, right? I mean, is, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish? 
For I knew that you're a gracious God. You're merciful, you're slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please just take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Man, chapter four, when you crack it open, it it doesn't sort of play out like we thought it would, or like I thought it would. If you're following the story, you're in the midst of the story, and you're going through it. Now, we know, we've read the story probably, but when you open this, it doesn't just play out like we thought it would, at least like I thought it would. I mean, think about what's happened. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Remember, Nineveh's wicked. They're Israel's most feared enemy. They're, they're brutal. I mean, they are absolutely merciless. They're brutal in how they, they, they tortured and treated people, and they were Israel's just most feared enemy. The Assyrians, Nineveh's the capital of Assyria, and, and so he hated them, right? And God told him to go preach the gospel. Think of the people, think of, think of uh, a friend, think of somebody that you would say, ah, and God said, you preach the gospel to those people, Right? And so, so, so he, God tells him to go preach the gospel. He says, I'm not going. I hate those people. I, I hate those people. He tells us why, right? He didn't go. I, 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 I didn't, I'm not going. I hate those people. So he, he, he jumped on a ship, boarded in the opposite direction from Nineveh. I want to get as far away from Nineveh. It's like if God told you to go to Knoxville uh, uh, to preach the gospel and you said, I hate Knoxville. I don't know why you would hate Knoxville. It's where UT is. But I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Memphis. <laughs> That's a good place to run, right? Memphis, you're going the opposite direction. And that's what Jonah did. I want to get as far away because I don't want to go. And what, you remember what happened? He's on the ship. God caused this storm to arise. And, you know, long story shorter, they, they threw Jonah overboard to save their skins. And Jonah's sinking in this sea that's just waves, temptuous. I mean, it's just the storm's raging and he's sinking. And as God would have it, right? Not as luck would have it. As God had it, he planted a whale, a, sh- a fish, as I say, at that very spot, at that very moment to swallow Jonah. So Jonah took a Mediterranean cruise on a submarine whale floating in a hot tub of gastric juices. I mean, man, you can go the easy way or the hard way, but you're going where God wants you to go. And Jonah goes to Nineveh, and he spit out on Nineveh Beach, right? I mean, I don't know if it looked like Daytona or not, but it was Nineveh Beach. He spit out, He's think about it, three days in gastric juices that are 100 and some degrees hot tub. He's bleached out, he's pruned out, he stinketh, right? I mean, he stinks. He's, he's on this beach, and God says, get up, Jonah, and go to Nineveh. Jonah got the message. He went and preached the message. He preached. He walked a day into the city. He preached. He phoned in. Let me say it that way. He phoned in a message. He phoned in a, a, a few-word, what is eight-word message that basically said, turn or burn, and walked away. And when he preached this message, everybody in the town, everybody in the city, everybody got saved. I mean, everybody comes to the Lord. The king comes to the Lord. The servants come to the Lord. I mean, man, everybody, the animals got saved, I believe. Everybody come to the Lord. This is every pastor's dream, right? I mean, it's every pastor's dream. Man, every pastor, man, you know, you you dream about, man, I'm gonna preach and everybody in the room's gonna either get saved or stand up and rededicate their life or, man, they're they're, they're gonna stand up and their marriage is gonna be saved. They're gonna repent of sin. I mean, man, you're just gonna see uh, stuff happen that's just crazy, right? That's every pastor's dream, that, 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 that his preaching so impacts, the, 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 it's so anointed by the Holy Spirit that it's, it impacts everybody, so much so that the government takes notice, that the city begins to change. 
Man, that's every pastor's dream. That's, what, that's exactly what Jonah experienced. Think about that. An entire city, and uh, the capital of a city, is radically changed because of his preaching. You'd think Jonah is going to be on top of the world. He's on cloud nine. He is just pumped about what's going on, but that wasn't what happened at all. He's upset about it. It says that he was displeased exceedingly, and he was angry because of this. Is that, does that play out like you thought it would? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, you think, why is Jonah this? Now, now the Ninevites, now get this irony. The Ninevites are walking with the Lord and Jonah's running again. Isn't that crazy? I mean, they're walking now with the Lord and he's running. You see, we, we talked about Martin Luther, one of those Western European people that we read. He nailed these 95 objections to the Roman Catholic Church on the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, and the very first objection, the 95 theses, objections, the very first objection, the very first thing he wrote was all of the Christian life is about repentance. So see, folks, that tells us here, we got Jonah. Man, he repented. He goes to Nineveh. Okay, God, I've learned my lesson. He preaches, and the place gets saved, and now he's running again. That's our story too, isn't it? Folks, you just need to understand all of Christian life is about repentance. It's not a one and done deal. It's your entire life. It's your entire life that you need to stand before God and say, God, I am so sorry that I thought that, that I said that, that I got angry over that. It's it's all of life every day. And that's what Jonah's doing. Jonah is running and he, uh, he is running and, 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 and he's mad. And, and, and guess why he's mad? God, I didn't go. This is why I didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because I know you, God. Now, you, I've said this to people before, and you probably have to. I know you. You low-down, dirty, lying, beep, 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 you know. You probably said that. That's not what he said. Think about this. I'm mad, God, because I know you. Because you're gracious. You're, you're loving. Can you imagine arguing with your wife? I know you. I'm so tired of how you forgive me all the time. I'm so tired of how you love me and come and hug me when I'm upset. That sounds foolish, doesn't it? I mean, that's exactly what Jonah's doing. I know you, God. I didn't want to go because you're so gracious and so loving and so caring. Man, your steadfast love is amazing. what's What's he saying here? See, here's what, he's revealing a few things. He's revealing that he knows God. He's got great theology. He knows the character of God. He's got great theology and great doctrine, but folks, so does a lot of people. But that doctrine didn't obviously connect with his devotion, right? I mean, folks, there's Christians all over the world. You read on, man, you can see them on Facebook all the time. These Christians that they, they know stuff in their mind, but man, you can see the hateful spirit within their, their, their words as they type, Right? I mean, you can see it's like, bro, their, devo- their, 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 their doctrine is great. Their devotion, <laughs> kneel. That, that's where Jonah is. His, 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 his doctrine and his devotion didn't match up. And God's gonna use people who's got great doctrine. Doctrine's important. Theology's important. Knowing God's important. That's why we preach the word of God. As CJ said, it, it is inerrant. That's why we want you to go to a family uh, camp. Uh, that's why Rodney and Selma are playing a huge part in that. Our own Rodney and Selma Wilson. You need to go help, uh, uh, help with our kids. Uh, that's why we want you to be enrooted. That's why we want you to study your word. That's why we give you a yearly uh, Bible reading. Engage in those things because doctrine's important theology is important but that theology should change how you live 
right? That orthodoxy should change your orthopraxy. It should change how you walk in life. It should change your devotion. Your doctrine should change your devotion. Jonah, there was a, a misfire. Something is, is misfiring in Jonah, and he, he, he says, I, I'm so mad I could die about this, right? I, I mean, I, I, he's running again. And when you read scripture, here's what happens, because some of you are running from God right now. Some of you are running from God right now, and here, here's what you need to understand. When you read scripture, uh, God doesn't just let his kids run, okay? God really isn't chasing you. He's already where you're running to. He's there. And he's pursuing, go back to Adam and Eve. They, they ran, they sinned. They ran in the garden of Eden to hide from God. And God pursued them. He didn't just let them go. I'm kids, I don't know if they'll ever learn. He didn't just let them go. He pursued them. And what did he do? He asked them a question. Adam and Eve, where are you? Right? Jonah's running, he pursues Jonah, a whale. Adam, Jonah's running again, he pursues Jonah. And look at what he, he does, the same thing he did with Adam and Eve. He asks a question. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? I love that, right? I mean, he doesn't rush in and condemn Jonah and, you know, take off his belt and say, get over the bed, Jonah. I mean, that's not what God does. He runs in and he pursues him and he asks a question. Do you do well to be angry? And I want you to understand, God didn't ask that question because he didn't know the answer. Some of you are attorneys, and I know that they taught you in law school. If they didn't, you need to sue them for a better degree. You're an attorney. They, they told you, don't you ever ask a question. If you don't know the answer, that's dangerous, right? Don't ever ask. God knows every answer. God knows every answer. He, he didn't ask them because he needed information. He didn't ask them, uh, do you do well to be angry? He didn't ask Jonah because he, he, he wanted to find out who Jonah was. He knew this was for Jonah's benefit. He wanted Jonah to know where he was. Just like he wanted Adam and Eve. Where are you, Adam and Eve? God knew where they were. They couldn't hide from God. You can't hide from God. He wants you to know where you are. He's bringing some things into your life maybe that's causing you to question, where are you? Where are you? He wanted them to know where they are, to uncover some things about themselves. God's saying to Jonah, Jonah, really, you're a prophet, Jonah. Jonah, you are a leader among the people. You have a privilege that few have. You know my word, you know me, you've tasted my grace, but you still don't know my heart, Jonah? Come on, Jonah, wh wh where are you, Jonah? I mean, do you really do well to be angry? I think God's making a point for us here, and here's the point he's making to Jonah for our benefit too, because it's in the word of God. Jonah, you're distracted, you know me, you're distracted right now, and I think you're distracted by your idol. You see, this was Jonah's distraction. His idol was his distraction. Jonah hated the Ninevites, as I said. He hated them. They were a people group that he didn't like and, uh, because they were brutal. They were merciless. They attacked him, his, his people. Uh, they had to build you know, a wall around their, their, their city, around their, their area, the kingdom, so that they could try to protect from the attacks of, of the Assyrians. Jonah hated them because they were brutal and ruthless. Uh, and so he didn't want to go. Uh, he, 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 rather than bring his mind into a line with God's, he, 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 he hated these people. Not only did he hate them, he, he loved his identity. He loved being a Jew, God's chosen people. He loved his identity. He loved being a prophet. 
He loved it when he told the king, God said to build the wall and, uh, around our city to protect us. And they, they oh, Jonah's great. This is what all the people wanted to hear. He loved his identity as a prophet, as a Jew. As, he loved being a leader. All this gave him privileges. It gave him, uh, you know, probably uh, some comfort and influence. He loved all of that. And here was the problem. Here was the problem. Jonah's identity was his idol. Jonah's identity, anytime something has your identity, forms your identity other than Christ, that's an idol, okay? Anytime something that, that forms your identity, anytime something takes up real estate in your heart that belongs to Christ, that's an idol. Anytime your mind, anything your mind is not brought into alignment with God's word, and Jonah hated a people group and God loves and created people, anytime your mind is not brought into alignment with that, something is amiss. There's an idol in your life. And Jonah was distracted by his idol. He, he was distracted by his idol. And, and, and you know, uh, he was angry. And his, the, this anger in his life was this check engine light that was flashing. Jonah, something's wrong. His anger should have been like looking down at your dash going, something's wrong, Jonah. Something's wrong, Jonah. Stop before you blow it up. Check it, Jonah. You got a check engine light blowing, blowing up on your dash right now. What is that? It, it might not be anger. I mean, it could be. Why, why do you get angry? It, 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 it might be something completely different in your life. You know, maybe, uh, you know, it's apathy, not anger. Maybe, as I said earlier, it's apathy. Maybe you, 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 you've got, you know, you, man, I love Jesus. I give my heart to Jesus, and I really want to follow him, but I also want to do all these things. And, and, and here's the thing you got to understand is all these things, and it might be stuff. It might be career. It might be experiences. Uh, it might be travel. It might be kids. It might be relationships. None of those things in and of themselves are bad. God gives all of those. It, it, when they become bad is when they become su supreme right? Money, it's not bad. God gave that. God gives it to you. It's not, but it's when money becomes supreme. Same thing with sex. It's the same thing with our kids. You name it. Same thing with your career. But when that becomes supreme in your life, then it begins to be an idol and you get distracted from God's kingdom and God's mission uh, you know, maybe it's apathy. Maybe you're, it, it causes you, see, what, what it causes you to do is it causes you to be this, this convenient Christian. I'm in it. I love Jesus. But man, I, I, I'm gonna give him what I, what I can when I can, but I'm also gonna do this. And so maybe you're, it's convenient. Maybe you, you attend, but you don't belong. Maybe you tip, but you don't tithe. Maybe you're out in the hallway, man, you're talking to people, but let's be real, that's about pretty much where it ends. I'm not really committed to this thing. Maybe it's apathy, and why is there apathy? Maybe there's a lack of devotion in your life because you've given your devotion to something else. Maybe your de devotion to something else is causing your devotion to Christ to wane and to drop and to not be there. Folks, that's an idol, and that idol's distracting you. What is it? What is it? You, we need to evaluate our lives continually because all the Christian life is about repentance, we need to evaluate our lives continually to, to, to know what our idols are. God's pointing out something in Jonah's life here, and he's pointing out that Jonah has an idol, and it's distracting him from his devotion, and his, and his lack of devotion uh, is causing him to be miserable. Because God created you. 
to walk with him, and when you don't, your life is miserable. What's your idol? What's the check engine light going off in your dash right now? It's exploding for some of you, and some of you have done a few miles of life with that thing on, and eventually it's going to blow up if you don't stop and say, what is this that's going on? And run a diagnostic that tells you what your idols are, and then you better deal with your idols. And when you do, blessings come, and when you don't, watch out. So we see Jonah's distraction, and the last thing I want you to see is Jonah's, or, or not Jonah's, but God's compassion. God's compassion. Now, Jonah, his, his distraction led to this complete lack of devotion, but again, God didn't leave him there. God didn't leave him there. That's not what God does. Jonah went up on a hill. He was so angry, he just wanted to die because God had saved these people. Now they're going to be uh, you know, in heaven with Jonah. He wanted them to go to hell. And now they're going to be in heaven. And he's angry about it, right? And so, uh, but he goes up on a hill outside the city in the desert. And he sits down and looks over the city. He's wanting a good view just in case God changes his mind and lowers the boom on him. Just in case, man. God, who knows? God may lower the boom. I just want, to, I want a picture of it. And so he goes and he sits on, the, on this hill in the blazing sun in the desert just in case God changes his mind and he's running from God. His attitude, you can see it. His, his heart is seen on his lips. His heart, you know, that's what God says, right? It's not what goes into a man. It's what comes out of a man that reveals his heart. And Jonah's heart's being revealed. He's running from God and God doesn't just let him go. Here's what I want you to think about. This is very important. If God was only interested in Jonah's service, well, he could be done with him now. He's went to Nineveh. He's preached the gospel. And the whole town's been saved. Thank you, Jonah. Thank you for your service. You know, uh, and, and if he was only, but God's not just interested in what you can do for him. He didn't need Jonah to go to Nineveh. He could have sent anybody. He could have just saved them. But he has ordained that he does that through people. And, 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 and here's the thing. Uh, if you think God's just interested in your service, what you can do for him, you see, uh, quid pro quo, that, that, that's, that, that's sort of life for us, right? You know, I mean, what you, you can, we can exchange, you do for me, what I can do for, you know. Uh, it's not God. God's not just interested in your service. He's interested in your heart. Jonah's done. He's preached the gospel, but he's still running, and God doesn't let him go. Because he wasn't just interested in Jonah's service. He's interested in Jonah's heart. You see, God is always interested. He never quits pursuing you because he wants you not to just be saved, but to be sanctified, to become like his son, to become more like Jesus. He, he never quits pursuing you because his heart is not just for what you can do for him. His heart is for how you can become like him because becoming like him leads to your happiness. It leads to greater joy. And that's what God does for Jonah. He goes up and, he, and, he's, and, and he's on this uh, desert. I mean, if you've been to the Middle East, when I go, matter of fact, we're going next February. I've got it planned. If you want to go to Israel, we're getting ready to release some info. And we go in February. Why? Because who in the world wants to go to the Middle East in summer? It's hot. It's a desert, right? And so uh, it's one reason. And so, so we go in February because it's hot. And Jonah's he's here. And he's looking out over over, uh, uh, you know, Nineveh is, I think it's a Baghdad today, is basically where this was. It's right there in Iraq, and he's in a desert. He's looking over uh, the city, hot, and, and as he's looking over the city, uh, God 
finds Jonah sulking in the city, and I'm sorry, sulking in the sand, and he causes a plant to grow up to shade Jonah. He causes this plant to grow up, and Jonah, it says, now is exceedingly glad. Jonah's just like this roller coaster of emotions, isn't he? I mean, man, that prophets got this kind of personality, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a prophet, so to speak. I, I, not that I can tell the future, but that, you know, thus says the Lord. Type, that, and, and, I mean, they got this personality that's type A generally, that's driven, that's, but, you know, I mean, it's sort of like artists and prophets. I mean, you know, you're sort of like, man, you're either you're full-blown or you're, you know, you're depressed or you're happy or whatever, you know, not necessarily manic depressive, but, you, you know, that's what Jonah, you can see Jonah's just like, uh, I mean, he might have needed some manic depressive stuff here, right? Because he's just like, see, he's, he's angry, he's happy. He's angry, he's happy. He, now he's happy because God grew this plant over him. God blessed him. God may be putting a blessing in your life if you're running from him to teach you a lesson. Don't think that blessing is God's approval in what you're doing. God may be just bringing something into your life to teach you a lesson. Okay, so stop and ask yourself, because here's what happened. Jonah was so glad about that plant, but then after God had blessed him with this plant, God's teaching him something, so what do you do? He caused a worm to come and eat the plant. The plant withered away. Then God brought this, this wind that blew in warm, and it was scorching Jonah. I mean, man, he's out there, and he needs some, he, he needs some Burt's Bees lip balm bad, right? His lips are chapped, he's sunburnt, and he's chapped. He's all mad. I mean, he, he, is, he is so mad and, and that he says, God, you took my plant. Why don't you just take my life? I mean, that's the second time he said that in this chapter, isn't it? I mean, you took my plant. I don't know why you did this. Just take my life. I, I, I might as well just die, right? And God comes to him and he asks him again, Jonah, do you do well to be angry about the plant? And Jonah says, I sure do. I sure do. Look at, look at what God says in verse 10. In verse 10, it says, and the Lord said, he's getting to it, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? God says, Jonah, you're consumed with the wrong things. You care about plants, not people. Jonah, you care about plants, not people. You're, you're interested in this plant, but you care less about those people that's perishing over there. You're looking down to see if I can lower the boom on them, and, 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 and you want them to die, and you care about a plant. You, 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 don't, you could care less about people. God is saying something very clear to us here. God's heart is for people. He's a relentless God who relentlessly pursues and redeems because his heart relentlessly beats for the souls of people. God doesn't just look at population statistics. He sees and longs to save souls. God loves people. So he challenges Jonah's heart, his motivations, and his priorities. And he does the same to his people today. In fact, look at, if you've got your Bible, look at the very next verse in the chapter. The very next verse I, there's, I don't hear you turning the page. Why? There's not another verse. There's not another verse. Is that not weird to you? God is the master of cliffhangers, isn't he? 
Isn't that, isn't that just, that's where it ends. What happened? What happened? Did, did Jonah repent? I mean, what happened here? I, I mean, did, 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 did Jonah repent? I, did Jonah, uh, did he get the point? I, I, what, don't you just want to know that? I mean, what happened? You see, and here's the thing. I, I believe God didn't let us know because what Jonah did, I mean, in, a, in, a, in, a, in really in the big picture things, it really doesn't matter. It's what you're going to do. What are you going to do, right? I mean, if Jonah ever got it or not, and I believe Jonah got it. Most theologians believe that Jonah wrote this book as sort of an autobiography as he felt bad about what happened. But the point is, do you get it? I know it sort of leaves you going, what happened? What happened? What, 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 what? But here's the question. It's not what happened to Jonah. What's happening with me? That's what I hope this book leads you to do. What's happening with me? What's happening with me? That, that's important. Do I get it? Right? I, I mean, do you do well? Fill in this blank, right? Do you do well to fill in that blank? Remember, that's what God asked Jonah. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Jonah, do you do well to be angry about the plant? Do you do well to? Do you do well to? Fill in that blank with whatever it is right now that God's brought to your mind with whatever it is that God's been bringing to your mind for a while. Do you do well to? What's the check engine light on the dash of your life flashing? Do you do well to? That's what God's asking this morning, right? I believe God wants us to fill in that blank. What is it that we care about ultimately that's keeping us from God? What is the idol in our life? What has the real estate of our heart that only Christ deserves? What is our identity this morning? You know, one of the greatest things that, that I mean, he, if, if you didn't come at, 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 for the evening session, last week uh, was incredible. Uh, last week was just, Beckett Cook did amazing in the morning. Watch it if you weren't here. But the evening, I don't know if we put it on yet. We didn't stream it, but we're, we're, uh, uh, we're recording and we're putting it on. Watch it. it he said so much gold, practically and theologically. One of the things he said is there's no such thing as a gay man. And I know some of you went, no such thing as a gay man. Well, think about it, there's not. To say there's a gay man would be saying there's a murder man. You know, to say there's a gay man would be to say if you're a gossiping woman, hey, you're a gossip woman. You know, if you're a, uh, you know, uh, uh, an adulterer, oh, you're an adulterer man. You know, if you're a fornicator, every time I say that word, I, you know, brother, we're out there, I say, Are you a fornicator? I, I just gotta say it like that, but, but uh, I can't get that voice out of my head. But uh, if you've seen that movie, if you're not, you're like, he's crazy. Uh, you're a fornicating man. You can't take your, your sin and make it your identity. I, I love that, right? And, and, and so, so, you know, what is it about you this morning that has got your identity? Do you do well to? What is it that's ultimate? What are you giving your devotion to this morning rather than Jesus? Not that you can't be devoted. Listen, I, I was supremely devoted to Amy. She was supremely devoted to me. But the reason we were supremely devoted to each other and the reason we were married for 37 uh, uh, years and four months was not because, you know, uh, I was, I mean, just absolutely perfect. I mean, I, I'm pretty good, but I'm not perfect. The only reason she stayed with me and could stay with me, believe me, 
you know, is because she was supremely devoted to God before me. That's it. That's it. And, and, and so, you know, what are you supremely devoted to this morning? Do you do well to? That's keeping, that's distracting you from the mission of God. So in response, here's, here, I basically got three things I, I, I wanna challenge you to do. This is for every person in the room. It's not one of these three. You figure out which one. They're all commands for every believer. And I wanna challenge you as God was challenging Jonah this morning, three things that you do in response of the whole story of the book of Jonah, this mission of God that's before us. One, I challenge you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to go. To go. Go, right? Matthew We're told in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. That's for every believer, not just for pastors, super Christians, all that kind of stuff. That's for every believer. Go. Now, where do you want to go to? Where where, where do we call you to go to? Man, you know, we're huge on unreached peoples. We're huge on missionaries. And and sure, I'm hoping that God raises up missionaries among some of you teenagers, uh, among some of you adults. I don't care how old you are to just... To, to lay it aside, I mean, Benny, Benny and Carolyn Woods were in their 60s when you went to India to live, is that right? I mean, you know, he should have been retiring, right? You don't ever retire from the, 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 the Lord's work. You might, you might quit working and getting paid, but you never retire. And so uh, I, God may be calling some of you to pack up and move your family to an unreached people group. And if the Lord's calling you right now, it's not my voice. And so I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. God's maybe calling some of you, go. But here, here, to, be, to be quite honest, let me make sure you understand. Uh, that my prayer, and I, I, my prayer is that we send a few out like that. I want to send a lot out, but here's my prayer. My prayer is that God just causes you to see your mission field is right out that door. That's your mission field. America, people are sending missionaries to America. That's your mission field. Your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, your friend group. When you go out to eat, that's your mission field. Go! Jonah, as, as God told Jonah to go to that great city, Nineveh, because they're pagan, they're lost, they, 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 they're brutal because they don't know me, go. When you go out that door, here's what you've got. You've got marriages that have no clue what devotion to each other is because they don't have a devotion to the Lord. You've got kids that are being torn apart because their family's being torn apart. You've got men and women that are addicted to everything under the sun from pornography to drugs, and I know that's in here too. We, we, we are in a world that is like this in our relationship with Christ. Go, God says. Go, share the gospel. Go to that great city that's right outside those doors. Go, that's your mission. That's the relentless mission of God. What's keeping you from being devoted to that? Do you well, do well to? Go, go to your neighbors. We got Easter coming up. Man, it's, it's one of the, great, I, most people, it's been proven, will come to church on Easter if they're invited and they don't go to church. We're gonna roll out for you a plan uh, from yard signs to bumper stickers to many different ways that you can, man, blast it out there. That, man, you go to Life Point Church, you love Jesus, and you want people to come to church with you that don't go to church anywhere. Uh, we're gonna roll that out, but go. Bring them with you. Invite them. They may not come. That's not your responsibility. Go, right? 
I mean, we've got mission. Uh, Ken Hampton, in a, uh, you know, uh, we, we, has aligned. We've got mission organizations locally out in our hallway. Go find out information. Get involved with one of them. Go. Go. Go to that great city. It's your commission too. And if we're not doing it, I don't know what whale's gonna swallow you, but God's gonna get your attention. Go. Here's the second thing, commit to go. Second thing is commit to give. Commit to give. Folks, we can't go. We can't go. I mean, there's places that you can go across the street, you can go in your neighborhood, but there are unreached peoples, man. Uh, you give, let me tell you something. You give and praise the Lord. Uh, uh, that, that we, we were fighting for the unborn babies. You gave so that we could buy, help, help uh, Operation Saving Life buy a mobile ultrasound unit. Uh, you gave, and guess what? Babies were born because you did that. And that, that thing's moved to a place now. The babies are born because you did that. Going requires, you know, you, we, we, I've heard one time, you can't go without the dough. <laughs> commit to give. Don't commit to tip. What has your devotion? Do you do well to? Commit to give, to tie, to give to the Lord so that the gospel can go out. That's what happens with your money. The gospel goes out, right? Don't, don't give to check the box. Give to fuel the mission. Give to fuel the mission. Give to be a part of it. Listen, I'll promise you this. Here's what I want to promise you. If you share your faith, uh, you know, if, if you're in the baseball world and you bat over 300, you're pretty much a Hall of Famer, right? That means if you hit the ball, uh, if you get a hit three out of 10 times up to bat. Well, let, let, me, let me make sure that you understand something. If you're batting over 100, if you're even batting close to 100, a couple of things are happening, right? If you're even batting close to 100, that means you've not shared the gospel a lot at all, okay? Or... Man alive, you're anointed for evangelism. I, I, I don't have a batting average that, uh, outside of preaching, you know, individual, nine out of 10 greater than the uh, people that I've ever shared the faith with have said no, okay? Go, that's gonna happen to you. That's not, up, that's, not my, that's not on me, that's up to God, right? So I can share the faith, and I might share my faith with 99 people, both 90 people before one comes to know Jesus, so I'm just gonna be obedient. You just need to be obedient and share your faith. But here's what happens. I, I can be discouraged. Here's what, when I give my tithes, and I give my tithes. Amy and I, get, Amy and I committed before we were married. We're gonna tithe, and it was easy when we gave, you know, uh, I mean, $100 a month. <laughs> Real easy, I mean, at that point, right? Because that's all you're making. Uh, and, 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 but we committed to tithe, and we've tithed since the day we got married. And let me tell you something, I, that, that adds up to several hundred thousands of dollars 37, 38 years later, several hundred thousand dollars. And let me make sure you understand something. Here's what I know. Man, I've shared the gospel a lot and people have shut the door in my face, but there have been thousands, if not millions, saved because I gave my money and God used that through missionaries, through church uh, uh, programs. I was able to partner with God and thousands are saved as a result of that. And when I get to heaven, there will be all kinds of people there, generations and generations that that'll result in just because I was obedient in that area. Yeah, get to see people saved when you share the gospel, but man, you get to partner with God through giving, give. Don't let anything stop you from giving. Commit to go, commit to give, and I wish there was a, a, a G for this one, but commit to pray. Commit to pray. Pray to the Lord God to use this church. 
Pray the Lord God for revival to happen among believers. You know, revival, people pray for revival thinking that means people get saved. Well, the, the reason people get saved is because believers get revived. Revival is Christians getting real with their relationship with the Lord. That's what revival is. An awakening is when people get saved. You pray for God to send revival in the church. You pray for God to send an awakening in our community and in our world. Pray for God to use this church. Pray for God to use your family. Pray for God to use you. Pray for God to save. Who's your one? Who's the people you're praying for? Folks, time is dire in our world today. The book of Jonah was timely because there's this great mission. And we are the city of Nineveh. Spiritually. Will you go? Will you answer God's call? Will you give? Will you pray? Some of you today need to understand that you don't know the Lord yet and God's heart is beating for you. He is a God who is gracious, who is merciful, he is saving, he is kind, he is steadfast in love and absolutely today he can change your heart. You can't get right to get, you can't wait till you get right and do better before you come to the Lord. You come just as you are. Today, if you wanna know the Lord, you come and you talk to us. Today, if you need somebody to pray with, we wanna pray with you. We've got people who wanna pray with you. You come back and talk to us. Will you go? Will you give? Will you pray? Our worship team's coming back out. Rich, Rich and Richie and, and, and Dana and Jordan's gonna come back out and lead us. And this time, I just pray as our response time that the Holy Spirit moves on your heart and you do what you're asked to do by him. Do you do well too? If you're lost and the Holy Spirit's calling you to come back and ask us about how to give your life to Jesus, you, you obey. If you're a believer and the Holy Spirit's laying something on your heart right now, you obey. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray. If you need to come back to us to pray, you come back to us to pray. You do what God's called you to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. It never comes back void. I don't know what you're going to do with it right now, but God, I, I pray that your word would absolutely just move on people's hearts right now. Holy Spirit, God, there is nothing that I can say that can change anybody's heart, mind, thoughts, uh, Lord, activities, but you can, and I pray that today you would. God, I pray that everybody right now would begin to th uh, think about what they filled in in their minds, that, that blank, do you do well too? Move in our hearts, bring revival in our church. Lord, bring an awakening in our city. God, help us to have a church full of people who are not apathetic, who are not convenient cultural Christians, people who are relentlessly committed to God and the mission of God and to the church of God. And I pray, God, that we would see you do incredible, beautiful, amazing things. I pray, God, that we would get a vision as Count Zinzendorf, Lord, uh, what he did is still still wrecking lives, Father. It's still just absolutely changing lives. And I pray, God, I pray that we would see that kind of flow out of us for generations and generations because we make a commitment. In a country, in, 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 a, in a city that is on a radical steep decline away from God, I pray that we would, we would literally, as a church, we would see people who are like Count Zinzendorf, who are like Jonah, Father, uh, Lord, who are used by you for great things. God, I know that depends upon our great commitment to you. Help that to happen today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.